right, what is going on, ladies and lads? Welcome to episode 198 of The Morning Skate. I'm Jenkins, the Canadian Blackhawks guy, alongside Disco, our resident Capitals expert. And we are here today to chat with a very special guest who Disco and I are both huge fans of. It's our absolute pleasure to welcome to The Morning Skate a member of the Pat McAfee Show on SiriusXM and YouTube, the host of That's Hockey Talk, one of the multiple hosts of the pod, the Friday Bangers curator, the genius behind Meraldo's Mad Libs, world champion ball hockey player, Hall of Fame, dog dad to Big Walt, and he will never tell you any of this because he is the humblest man on earth, Nick Meraldo. Boys, that was incredible, outstanding. I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that. You built me up way too high. That's, uh, that's tremendous work. I just read the facts, my friend. Um, you are the the hockey guy at PMI. I mean, by default, by being the only fan <laughs> of hockey in the building, I I've been dubbed the hockey guy. Yeah. Hey, it, that is an expert in my books. Um, let's get right into it. Like, what is it that got you into hockey as a as a young Pittsburgh native? Uh, I mean, Mario Lemieux. To be honest, growing up, uh, I was born in '86. So I don't know how old you guys are, but uh, I'm an old man in a lot of guys' eyes nowadays. And uh, Pittsburgh wasn't exactly always the hockey town it is now. Uh, but in my eyes growing up, we watched Mario Lemieux on TV. I just assumed everybody loved hockey because this guy, the stuff this guy was doing on the ice was just unbelievable. It was magical, it was sensational. It was the best thing going. And I fell in love with the Steelers, of course but also the Penguins at a young age. And then they win them two Stanley Cups in the early 90s, and I was hooked then. It, it was just uh, it was just a passion. I just started following along, loving the team. They had Yager, Francis, Kevin Stevens, Ulf, you know, all these guys, and all the talent, all the stars, exciting play every every night. Uh, I was hooked. There was, there was no getting away from it. And then, uh, you know, as a Penguins fan, went through the, the tough times for a couple of years, uh, three, four years there in like my high school days where they absolutely stunk, worst team in the league, almost relocated. And then Lemieux comes back again, saves the team, becomes the owner. And it's like, you know, here it is my childhood hero uh, saving us once again. So um, I owe it all to 66, man. The guy's a legend. When you got that jersey hanging behind you every day, just remembering, right? Like it's – That's why <laughs> – I'm not a jersey guy, right? Like I don't, I don't love wearing jerseys. I was never a big hockey sweater, uni jersey, whatever you want to call it, guy. But there's like a handful of people that uh, I'm cool with enough to rock their name on my back, and he's one of them. Just because uh, he just he transcended the sport. He just went above and beyond in in all aspects. So yeah, I feel what you, you're saying with the jersey stuff. Like all my jerseys are fake people. So I got Gene Youngblood <laughs> and the Hansons back there. So uh, I mean, that was like covered kind of my next question too. Like asking who you're who your favorite players were growing up. But I mean, you, you kind of hit the whole list there. And I know we read in, in other interviews you've done, you said your loyalty will always be with the black and gold rather than with a particular person. Yeah. And, well, oddly enough too, uh, I also was like a huge, huge, for whatever reason, Joe Sackett fan. Uh, I think it was because uh, I was probably around sixth grade, I think when uh, the avalanche came to Colorado and it was like the new exciting thing, a team's moving. They got the new logo rebranding and everything from Quebec and Sackick was a guy who just like when I watched him play, I was like, "Oh, this guy's awesome!" Like he he doesn't take any shit, but he also like isn't uh, like look at me kind of player. He wasn't super flashy, but had like the killer wrist shot, and he was just a great centerman. And always felt like he was like slightly underrated, and that uh, always just kind of like resonated with me. It was like, okay, 
doesn't bitch, doesn't complain, quiet guy, just puts his head down, does what he needs to do. And I always kind of looked up to that. And so for me, when I was a kid, it was like uh, Lemieux and Sackick were the guys. Obviously loved the Auger and Francis and all the other guys on the pens. But I, as a uh, is, is if you can look to other guys as role models per se, I guess Joe Sackick was one of them. Yeah, that was like one of the greatest like bygone eras of hockey. Just that, you know, like mid late nineties, early two thousands, just like the cream of the crop in terms of of guys. It was ESPN, look up right? Those guys were on every night. You were watching them to a national audience was getting to see those guys put on a show, the Stevie Eisenmans, the great uh Colorado and Detroit rivalry. And it was just something that resonated with me at a young age. And I was like, Man, I love this. I, I just love this shit. These guys banging each other into the boards every night and all, all those playoff battles they had. It was like, uh, again, you know, the Penguins sucked me in, but I, I soon found there was a lot more hockey had to offer. And, and once I, once I got uh, entrenched in it all, I, I never, I never got away from it. Yeah. I, I, I can't disagree with any of that. It, it does. It pulls you right in and it does not let you go. Um, shifting gears from your experience as a hockey fan to your experience in the U20 World Ball Hockey Championships in 2006. It's such a cool experience. I mean, it's the thing that Pat jokes about that we, Disco actually was like, we were talking about it. It's just like, it's been one of those running jokes that Pat will mention it every once in a while, but oh, yeah. so it's a real thing. Like it's a world gold medal. Uh, how did that all come about? So, uh, <laughs> Oddly enough, yeah, it is a real thing, and it's hard to believe. Uh, and I still think about it and laugh because it was like it was such a cool experience. It was awesome. Uh, I had never been out of the country. It was uh, except to like you know Mexico, Canada. I'd never been over across the pond. I should say, I'd never been to Europe. So it was a really cool opportunity to go to Italy and play when I was 20 years old. Uh, I started playing ball hockey, is what most of the world knows it as. When I was younger, we just called it deck hockey. And there was a rink literally uh, five minutes down the road from my parents' house. I was about eight, seven, eight years old when I first started playing. And growing up, we didn't have a ton of money, so ice hockey wasn't really an option. And this was just very expensive. And this was just a nice, easy thing in the community I got to do. Played it, uh, had a great time doing it, and was pretty good at it naturally for whatever reason. And just kind of had fun with it throughout the years. Never really took it too seriously. It was just a – just a fun thing to do. Big wall spark. I don't know if you can hear me. Just a fun little thing to do after school, right? And then uh, as I got older, just realized, like, hey, I'm not to my own horn, but, like, pretty damn good at this. And wasn't flashy. I was, like, a stay-at-home defenseman, kind of like a – you know, but I made, like, all these all-star traveling teams. And it was cool because we didn't have – like I said, we grew up kind of poor. We didn't have a lot of money to take vacations. But we got to go to, like, Boston – and New Jersey, not that New Jersey's like a super destination and vacation spot, but you know, Chicago and a couple other cities for these traveling tournaments. And then uh, you kind of the natural progression for deck hockey is you kind of age out about like 16. It's it's supposed to be a sport you play till like you're, you're 15 or 16. Then I found out uh, there's like a whole nother world uh, beyond your just your local community. There's like uh, adult traveling tournaments where these guys just basically just weekend warriors where a handful of weekends out of the year, you're driving to Philadelphia, you're driving up to Boston and you're, you're just with the boys and you're, you know, playing three games on a Saturday. And if you're making it to the finals, you're playing three games on a Sunday. And one of the uh, local Pittsburgh radio legends, Mark Madden, double M, you guys have probably seen him on the show. He's uh, the greatest heel the internet's ever seen. Huge wrestling. In, in my day coming up, I was about 16 years old, about to age out of the younger groups. He had actually been coaching deck hockey since like the 80s, okay? 
So he had been putting together these like all-star teams. Uh, and this was like right after he got done working for WCW. So it was awesome. Like, hey, we got this guy. He's worked for WCW. He's coaching the team. He's super eccentric, super hilarious. And that was like everyone wanted to play for Mark's team because that's where all the good players were. So I was fortunate enough to be able to make Mark's team as a 16-year-old. It was like a 16 to 20 age group uh, and played for him for a handful of years. And then as fate would have it, he became the GM of the uh, basically USA ball hockey. I forget what the official federation title was. There's like two of them now, believe it or not, because they had a split because politics gets into everything. Uh, So being one of Mark's guys, I instantly had a good shot. Uh, there were 10 guys from our team that went basically out of the Pittsburgh areas. And then uh, there were 10 guys from Boston where deck hockey basically originated from that went. And I think we had one kid from New Jersey and we went overseas. We played uh, Team Canada, which was a lot of junior ice hockey kids who were very good. Uh, we played Italy, which was a lot of Canadian kids who had Italian citizenship. Uh, then we played uh slovakia and the czech republic and they were just straight out of those countries no no funny business with the citizenship and they were all good players and i'll tell you what we were the smallest team there uh but we were the fastest which uh was a huge advantage and we ended up playing a lot of close competitive games and ended up winning the whole thing in the end which no american team had ever done up to that point and to be honest they haven't uh won since i think they won a bronze a couple of years after that, but no one else has meddled since then, especially not gold. So it's, not a big deal. It's, it's something we all kind of joke about, but like, it is kind of cool to be uh, one of the few to say they were able to do that and pull that off. Yeah. Right. Like it's you're not, just a part of the, the 2006 miracle, not on ice. Right. Yeah. We <laughs> joked about that. And that's like, how come we kind of referred to it because like we went over there and we thought we had a good chance, but since no one had ever meddled before, we didn't think we were going to win. It was like, let's go over here. Let's have a good time, play as hard as we can. Uh, and we'll see what happens. But uh, it was a blast. We partied with the Canadian team afterwards. We, we uh, all hung out at the bar and just had a good time and laughed about it because we found out that, like, all the Czech kids and the Slovak kids, when you played them, they would dive. Like, you'd go into a corner with a guy in deck hockey. You're not allowed to check, but you can bump each other. You can get pretty physical, and you just put a shoulder rub against the guy, and they drop like they just got shot, and the refs would call it because they were also European, and it was just the style of play. So we kind of bonded over that, had a good time, had a good couple laughs, and and kind of supported each other throughout that whole thing. It was really cool. That's that's so cool, man. Like it's just it's so funny that because it's always just been like that passing joke whenever you're whenever you're watching any of Pat stuff, and it's just you you think about it, and I've I've read all about it, and it's it's there was so much to it that it's just like passing casual comment like I got a world gold medal. Yeah, and it, and it is. I still laugh about it. I still have the medal and I still have the jersey. And I don't, like, hang them up or anything, but I got them and I kept them because it was just such a cool experience. Like, uh, I was 20 years old, didn't come from a lot of money, didn't have a lot of opportunities. Uh, so it was, like, it was my first real chance to, to get out there. Spent a week in Italy uh, just with my teammates and our coach and got to, got to live life a little bit and uh, loved every second of it. Do you have any, uh, like, reunions with those guys, like, get together with that crew that uh, that got the gold medal with, that team? We've always talked about it, uh, but we've never actually, like, done a, an official reunion or anything. But, like, a lot of the guys I still keep in touch with because, like, I grew up playing with most of them. So, like, keep in touch on Twitter, text each other, whatnot. I don't see the Boston guys much. We keep in touch on social media a little bit, but, like – we would see each other at tournaments after that because we kept playing and ran into each other. And it was just always like that. Even when we were like battling in tournaments over here in the States, it was always like that thing. Like, yeah, you know, we, 
we, we did battle over there together. So it was always like an unspoken, like, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to carve this guy up with a stick or something. I'll, I'll let him off a little easy. That's awesome. That's so tight. Um, moving back to the penguins. Cause obviously again, they're the reason that we have the great Nick Moraldo host in that's hockey talk. Um, we're in an era now where, where guys won't typically end up staying with a team for their entirety of their careers. And if they do, it's more of a rarity than it used to be uh, with like the Sid and Gino era. You, I mean, like myself in, as a Chicago fan, you've had like a really recent like era of like pretty decent success. Do you think like Sid and Gino are going to be those type of anomalies now that like finished their career where they started in Pittsburgh? Yeah, Sid for sure. Um, and I could see Gino leaving, but I don't think it'll be because he wants to. I think there's uh, – it's a situation where Mario was able to do it right and people loved him for it. And I think he wants to allow those guys that opportunity too as well. Now everybody speculates Gino's got uh, his wife and a, and a young kid that live in Florida. They want him probably closer. He probably wants to be closer to them. So I think those things always come into play. But, like, I think Sid will be here for life. Uh, and I think uh, Gino probably will. But it wouldn't shock me if with uh, if he made a move at some point. Because I know his contract's up soon and they got to figure that out. And, you know, it's, it's it is still is a business. And, like, you guys, <laughs> you with the Blackhawks, like, they had to retool and reload and, and saw a ton of turnover. But, yeah. like, Kane was able to stay there. Tay's still there. Key's still there. So, like, if you want if you want those guys to stay, you find a way to make it happen. And I think uh, when you get to, like, that height of elite talent, it, at least in the NHL, it's different in every other sport, I feel like, but at least in the NHL, like, there is a certain loyalty that those players feel like to the organization and to the cities where they feel like it's their home. It's it, – it's, like, Ryan Getzlaff. We thought Ryan Getzlaff was going to leave at the trade deadline. What business does he have staying in Anaheim? The team stinks – but, you know, he doesn't – that's where he's been his whole career. His family's there. His roots are there. He wants to stay there. So it's uh, it's still – it's good to see. It's good to see that that still exists. Yeah, exactly. And especially, again, like as, you know, a Chicago fan, like you look at teams where like everyone's got their guy. Like we have Patrick Kane. Like you guys have Crosby and Gino. Uh, you know, Disco in the caps. They have Ovechkin. Like you want to see those guys like start and finish in the same spot because there is something special about that that full career in one uniform. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, Gretz, they say if Gretzky can be traded, anyone can be traded. That's the old adage. But at the same time, like, imagine if he would have stayed in Edmonton the whole time. Now, granted, the NHL might not have seen the success and popularity it's seen over the past uh, 20 or so years because of all he did for going to the game, for going to L.A. and expanding the market and everything. But, like, I do think he would be – as great as he is, I think it, it probably knocks him just a little bit, just a little for bouncing around at the end of his career as much as he did. Mm -hmm. And uh, just as another, I don't want to like poke any, you know, previous Pens player, but Marc-Andre Fleury obviously was a big part of of uh, Pittsburgh. And he was recently on Pat's show and Pat put up a wager uh, that if Marc-Andre Fleury can put one in the back of the net this year, he's going to donate to a charity of Mark's choice. Do you think he's going to come through on that? Man, I thought I honestly thought he would have already done it. Uh, we're running out of time here. I think what we got nine, maybe eight, ten games left in the regular season. Uh, dialing down. Yeah, and I'm sure Pat's a generous enough guy. He, he that offer extends through the playoffs, but those chances are going to be few and far between in the playoffs. But uh, I was hoping, and I really did think he was going to get it done because just though Pat's always a big like manifest and speak things into existence, and it usually tends to happen. So yeah. uh, when he made that, I was like, oh, shit. Because I think he offered up 100 grand. 
And I was like, oh, like this is gonna happen. Like, well, and Mark's and Mark said right away, he's like, you you're gonna have me shooting pucks every single night if that's on the table. And he's already been doing that for years. That guy's yeah. been trying to score for as long as I can remember him being in the league. So I was like, yeah, it's gonna happen. And well, he deserves I, it too. I would not be shocked if within the handful of games he has left, uh, if he gets one. Fingers hey, crossed, man. <laughs> and uh, back to the like NHL talk. So. Um, predictions what are your predictions for the cup finals and what team has surprised you the most positively this season and what do you what team that like shocked you and how poorly they've done this season uh shocked me i would say maybe calgary because i thought they would they just have so many guys that are like just stud names and, and got the solid back end and i guess they lose and they bring in uh, Marstrom from Vancouver, who had that great run with them. And I thought, like, okay, they got solidified their goaltending. They got the defense. They got Johnny Gaudreau. They got some studs up front. And they just uh, – and I thought being in that all-Canadian division would help a lot, but it just never seemed to click. Um, and then as far as exceeding expectations, oh, boy, maybe Carolina. And maybe just because I was sleeping on them a little bit. But, man, they just, like, solid – solid team from top to bottom. There's no real like weak point. Maybe you could say they're goaltending, but now they, they've just kind of come out of nowhere with these guys and been on this run. They just feel like Brendan Moore just feels like the coach who's got them like playing such a team game that they're all supporting each other. Great puck support and all that. And it, it's, it's fun to watch all these other teams try and figure it out with the new division alignment, because you're used to like the Leafs now running away with the Canadian division like you're used to them running into trouble against uh the Bruins and maybe Tampa and they haven't had to deal with that this season so they've just been kind of running amok up there and I think they can they can finally do some damage here in the playoffs because let's face it they're probably going to play what Montreal in the first round and it seems like that should be a cakewalk for them so I would love to see if they can make a run I feel like the people of Toronto would deserve that at least and I love Austin Matthews being an American succeeding up there in Canada. I love to taunt the Canadians because they haven't won a cup in how, God, how, what, 25? Yeah, we stink. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I live in Calgary too. So like I've been hearing about how the Flames have been underperforming all year. It's a hilarious adventure being a non-Flames fan in Flames country. But it's exactly what you said. Like they picked up so many pieces and it was all kind of like the brightest spots in Vancouver. And it's just been a, a crazy ride down here. Yeah, it didn't really make a lot of sense to me, but I mean, that's how hockey is. Sometimes you just stuffed up pieces don't fit, and then it just ends up being a dumpster fire. And here we are. You know, they're firing coaches, they're bringing back Daryl Sutter out of the trash can, and you know, they're doing what they can. Yeah, I don't know what happened with that Sutter. Who do you thing. got out? Uh, who do you got? Cup final, gun to your head. Who do you think? If it's not, uh, I want to say out of the West, I want to say Vegas, and maybe it's just uh, the Homer in me pulling for Mark. Uh, to get there, but I really love their team. Like I, I think Mark Stone is just a, a stud. He's just such a great two-way player. I love their defense. Of course, Shea Theodore is like one of the next great young defensemen in the league, and they pick up Pietrangelo in the offseason. Um, and out of the East, obviously, I, I'm going to say the Penguins have to. You know, that's my team. But I could also see, you know, Tampa, what they did at the deadline was pretty impressive. And, and I mean, they're potentially going to get Kucherov back. So I'm not a big – fan of picking teams to repeat because I think it's incredibly hard. And I honestly didn't think the Penguins were going to be able to do it when they did in those back-to-back years. But uh, it's hard to bet against Tampa when you see what they've done throughout the season. And if they get Kucherov back, 
it's just like, man, uh, they're just so stacked. It's going to reload, yeah. And uh, with the Pens talk, I got to bring it up as the Caps guy. So we had a discussion on our podcast in our Instagram. Who hates each other more? Do Pens fans hate Philly fans more or Philly Philly? Or Washington more, and as a Pens fan, who is where does your hatred lie in that rivalry aspect, or is there another team that we don't know about? Uh, definitely Philly, and to be honest, the rivalries with other teams have grown tremendously in the past, you know, 10, 15 years because of Crosby, because of Malkin, because of the success. But like, there's a pretty healthy rivalry with the Bruins because of what the Bruins did to the Penguins in 2013 when the Penguins loaded up with Aginla and Morrow and Doug Murray and and got swept in that conference final. A lot of people t- think that was probably the most talented, greatest Penguins team throughout this whole run that they've had with Crosby and Malkin. But uh, to go back to the original question, it's definitely Philly. Uh, it's, it's just a natural rivalry between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia being on opposite sides of the state. And it's funny because, like, moving out here to Indiana and you try and talk sports and rivalries, whether it be the Colts or uh, there's some people that are Blackhawks fans – because there's naturally no hockey team here. They don't they don't have that same like hostility towards other teams. There's no natural rival, whether it be in-state or right around in the area. It's just like when you're a Pittsburgh person growing up, you're taught to hate Philadelphia Flyers. You're taught to hate the Cleveland Browns. It's just, it's just the way it is. You just don't like each other. And so the Philly thing, obviously, also, I mean, they beat the Penguins' ass for years and years and years back in the day, back in like the – the 70s, 80s, early 90s. So it's just natural hostility that's been built up over years. The Capitals fans, I think it's more of a respectful rivalry in the sense of the Penguins dominated them for years in the playoffs, right? And then Caps finally break through when they go on their run and they get the cup. And so it's finally like uh, it's not a bug versus a windshield anymore, right? So to speak, it's like, okay, you can kind of see them as, as almost peers now. Granted, we got three cups. You guys only got one uh, in the most recent area, the five total bit, but but regardless, regardless, trying to be nicer. Uh, but it's always been like, yeah, we don't like each other, maybe hate each other, but it's it's never the same facility to me as Philly. Yeah, there's there's a lot more respect there because you know the Flyers fans, guys, I'm one shit since '75, so you don't want to hear them chirping. Nobody cares what they have to say. They just want blood, guts, violence, and you know, fuck them. To be honest. <laughs> Um, and I just want to ask a general hockey question. As a Canadian guy, I have a ton of homer bias uh, towards Patrick Kane, but there's been a ton of discussion about whether or not he's at the top of or in the mix for the best American-born player um, because Hull was born in in Canada, American yeah. you know, representative, though, because um, Kane has that pretty like decent opportunity to overtake Madonna in, in total goals scored. Um, you know, He's got the cups. He's got the con Smythe. He's got that weird goal against Philly that no one knew was in the net other than him. I was on the bus coming back from a lacrosse game in the middle of the summer, uh, watching it on a Blackberry curve. It was a big moment, but do you think that Patrick Kane has the potential to be, or is already, or is never going to be the greatest American born player? I personally consider him to be that already. Uh, now granted, I, I grew up and I watched a lot of those guys. I watched Chris Chelios. I watched Mike Madonna. Uh, you know, you want Tony Amani, those guys that were in the world cup and then got to play in the Olympics. And, they were always very good, but they always felt like a step below the Canadians. It always felt like an A team and a B team when they played each other. Recently, in the matchups in the last couple Olympics, it's felt a lot closer, hasn't it? Like Zach Brise gets that game time goal back in 2010 with the last couple seconds. I thought U.S. was legitimately going to win that game, 
then Crosby rips our hearts out with a golden goal. But uh, for me, he is right now, and I think Austin Matthews is the next one. I don't know if he can catch Kaner in terms of team success. I think he might be able to get around the ballpark and points. Uh, but, yeah, Madonna loved to, loved to watch him. But, again, he always felt like a – I'm sure someone will kill me for saying this, but he always felt like a B-tier player to me in the league when you compare him to, like, the Gretzky, the Lemieux, obviously, but even, like, the Hall. Hall was great, but, again, I don't – he's not American-born, so I love that he played for USA and considered himself an American, but if you're talking in terms of born, it's definitely Kane for me. See, that's perfect because that's what I was hoping you would say, but, like, because I'm Canadian, so, like, I have no stake – in that argument and because i'm a blackhawks fan everyone's like no like you're just the cane guy so like no one no one can respect my opinion so i'm glad yeah. that i have <laughs> i mean people love nostalgia too right so it's like yeah i, I saw mike madonna when i was six years old and he was my idol and, and it's like that's awesome and cool but like there's no doubt in my mind patrick kane is uh more entertaining to watch more skilled uh, just, you know, he's a bigger draw. I think people, boy, are, he's selling much, many more tickets than Mike Madonna ever would have, I think. So I think all that stuff kind of factors in. And then it's like, you know, like I said, he has all the awards. He doesn't lack credibility in that sense. So to me, it's Kane. And uh, back to your podcast, That's Hockey Talk. So what what made you want to start that up? I mean, you're a big hockey guy. And how did you go about picking your co-host, being Gumpy in, and having a Super Bowl champion Thank you, Shipley, as your other co-host. <laughs> to me, man, it's just – it's something that's just fun to do, and that's kind of why we do it. Like, it doesn't make a ton of money. It doesn't get the most views, right? Like, Pat show is super successful and, and does all the high numbers, and then we got Hammer Down, the, the gambling show. Subscribe to all these on YouTube, by the way. You'll love all of them. Um, Hammer Down, the gambling show, does very well, gets a lot of numbers. Uh, and our show is just like the little the the little fish in the pond, and that's fine with me because you know I don't I don't love the spotlight. I just enjoy talking about hockey, and it's something fun for me to do. Um, that's why you'll see like we don't we obviously don't invest like the most time into it. Like we 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 do it once a week. I'd like to do it more, but honestly, like with all the other stuff we got going on, it's just too hard to pull out. It's just too hard to do more than that. So, uh, in terms of getting a co-host, it was like there's no one else in the office who even watches hockey enough to be able to talk about it. And I love to be able to bounce things off of people because I'm not the most opinionated person in a sense, like a lot of stuff, to be honest, I just frankly don't care. Like if <laughs> there's a lot of these, like it's gotta be a, or it's gotta be B situations. I'm like, nah, there's a lot of gray in the middle and a lot of these things. So I like having someone else in the room to bounce things off of Gumpy being Canadian was a natural, obvious choice. Uh, and he watches enough hockey to know what's going on. And AQ is actually, for being a football player, a huge hockey fan and not just a Penguins fan. So that helps. Like, he definitely loves the Pens. We're both diehard Pens fans. But he watches other games, too. So that was huge for us. And he's obviously been boys with Pat for a long time. They played together. I didn't know him that well until I uh, moved out to Indy and got to know him a little bit better through Pat. It, it just seemed natural to do something together. And it's been it's been a lot easier now, to be honest. Now that he's done playing uh, and he's getting into coaching, he has a little more time on his hands, uh, so we can kind of make it work a little better. But uh, like I said, like you guys uh, fired up this whole system here that we're on, and we're chatting together on. You guys are like, oh, I assume you use like we just use FaceTime because we're we're stooges and we don't know what the hell we're doing. We just want to get on microphones and talk and and hopefully entertain people and, and try and get a few laughs because 
even if we're not uh, the most informed, which we try to be, we try to know what's going on and react to everything. But even if we're not most informed, we just, hey, let's just have a good time with it. Yeah, and, and you got NRD. I mean, that's a that's a huge pull. I love that. And like that's, that's one of my favorite episodes of any podcast that's come out of that office. He's I good, mean, man. He knows his shit. He, brilliant mind. Brilliant hockey mind. Um, kind of in that same vein, like you guys have come such a long way from recording in Pat's basement back in the day to having like a legitimate fantasy factory in Indianapolis. Like, do you guys have like fans coming by like all the time, like knocking on doors and like trying to meet the gang and like, what kind of a transition has it been to going from like a homemade studio to having this like massively successful organization and multiple shows and Pat showing up in the middle of the night with a backpack full of 50 grand with the FanDuel deal. Like that's a crazy, like one end of the spectrum to the other. What's that been like? Yeah, to be honest, it's been super surreal, right? Because I spent like close to 10 years in a cube just doing the normal rat race business job. I was working in IT. I just finished a master's program, just got my master's and thought I was just doing that for the next however many years of my life. And then, uh, you know, Pat retired. We talked about doing something. We retired, told me he was joining Barstool. I said, well, if you need any help, with anything, just kind of toss it out there. Like, let me know. We talk about doing stuff, but it was never really a reality until that moment. And then he was like, yeah, would you want to move out here? I'm like, fuck, yeah, I guess. Shit. <laughs> I thought I was going to be in Pittsburgh my whole life. I just felt like that was my story. That was my path, right? So I, I take the chance. I quit my job. I move out there with him. Uh, I'm living in an apartment with Diggs. I went from having my own place at 30 years old to living with uh, one of my friends in like a 700 square foot apartment. Uh, so it felt like a huge step back in that sense. And it was cool at the time we were with Barstool. That was like the, the rocket ship taking off. And it was just like awesome. It was, it was a whole new world. I, I was on Twitter forever, but never like had a bunch of followers or anything. So then like starting to tweet and see people who wanted to actually engage and talk and follow along. That was all new and, and fun and exciting. But like, to be honest, it's going to sound cheesy, but like the best part about it was like doing the shows didn't have to answer to any like higher power and making people laugh and kind of forget about the shit that they had going on. Because like you be, you live on the internet long enough, you'll get all the stooges and assholes that want to pick you apart and be, uh, be pricks about things and just tear you down. But like you always get a handful of people that are like, just they'll send you a DM and just tell you like how appreciative they are of what you do. And like, to me, I'm not really thinking much of it. I'm like, ah, I'm just trying to, to be an asshole on a microphone really and get a pop out of somebody at some point. And so it kind of like, it felt good. That was like the rewarding thing. I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. That started to happen more. I was like, oh, this is, this is actually like affecting people and touching people. This is really cool. So as the show's grown and everything has gone on and, and Patch is a wild man. I'm fortunate enough that he allowed me to be part of his vision and I'm trying to keep up with him and everything that he's got going on. Uh, he, like we've always known he was going to be a superstar. Like from the day I met him, like he, this guy's too big for this town, right? Like he's going to, he's going to blow up. So it was like, that that's the guy you want to bet on. So I've been doing that as long as I can remember. And he's been, he's been cashing those bets because like just, He's a machine, man. He keeps going, he keeps trucking, and he keeps entertaining. And like the FanDuel deal comes, and he hooks us up with this money. And that's like, for me, for a lot of people, that's like life changing money. Like it really helped me out in a situation where it allowed me to like get out of debt and be comfortable. And it's just, it's been 
massive. And I can't say enough good things about Pat or everything he's done for not just me, for the entire office and a lot of the people in the community of Indianapolis, because it's uh, a lot of people, a lot of uh, guys like that in that position could just retire and just disappear and just kind of chill. You know, he made a lot of money. He could have just sailed off into the sunset and disappeared like he always jokes about doing. But uh, he didn't. He stuck around and helped a lot of people out in doing so. And it's been awesome to watch. And like, like you, even you guys like reaching out to have an asshole like me on the podcast. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. This is awesome. Like, I, I greatly appreciate that because, you know, you don't, in another life, I don't get these opportunities, right? If I stay in Pittsburgh and sit in the cube, I never get to do something like this. So I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's, and that's a wild way to look at it too, right? Because like when, when Disco texted me and said, like, yeah, like we got a chance to talk to Nick Moraldo. Like, I spent today fangirling and making sure I wasn't gonna fuck this up, right? Like it was like a big deal. Like I watch you on TV in the morning and now I get to just like shoot the shit with you in the afternoon. Like that that experience, like for us is super cool, but like it's what you said with Pat making a difference in so many people's lives. But like it's like I won't speak for disco, but like for me too, like that's that's like a part of my life now. Like it's a part of my day. It's like when I'm driving to work, I'm listening to to like Pat's live show or like listening to you guys on the pod or that's hockey talk. Like like, I feel like I'm like a part of that group. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm in the room with you guys a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think especially with like the pandemic and everything that happened, people needed that type of like interaction and podcasts and YouTube and everything kind of helped bring people together in that aspect. So I like to think we're at least doing some good in that regard. But to your point, like I used to finger out over people. Like I got a chance to interview like Eddie Olchek and, and we got to do all these things on the show. Obviously on Pat's show, we talked to cool people every day. And, like, I learned through Pat, though, that, like, as cool as these people are and successful as these people are, they're still humans. And I think that's been a motto of his for a long time, and I think that's why he's, like, fearless in his questions and approach to a lot of things. And I've tried to adapt that a little bit. It's still hard because, like, anytime you get the chance to talk to someone, like, who's played in the league or has done these amazing things in life, you – it's a natural tendency to kind of, like, put them on a pedestal. But, like, when it comes down to it, like, they're still going home and doing the same shit that we are. Uh, so that kind of helped me alleviate, because I'm like a naturally anxious person. So that helped me alleviate some of that stuff. And so like this, I mean, like when you guys asked me to come on, it's great. Like I admit, obviously I, I'd never listened to your show, unfortunately, but I did follow you guys on Twitter because I enjoyed the stuff you guys posted. Like I'm a big, like I'm, I'm trying to uh, build up that's hockey talk on Twitter. And I, I, I use a lot of clips and information to try and do that. And so, like, I'm trying to follow anyone else who's doing the same thing. Like, we're not newsbreakers, right? We're not getting the inside scoops. I consider us, like, secondary news sources where, like, those big people are going to sprinkle that information out or they're going to put the gifts out and the videos out. And we're just trying to collect that and funnel it to everyone else who is too busy doing other stuff to worry about it. They just want to watch and laugh and be entertained. So, uh, like I said, I follow you guys on Twitter because I enjoy it and I appreciate what you guys have put together. I'll start listening to this more often. <laughs> well, we appreciate it for sure. And uh, along with that, too, my friend Alec, who is an OG Heartland listener, he made a great point, and I totally agree with him. How are you and your group at PMI able to adapt to, like, you've been able to adapt to new personalities that come in and out of your team over the years through multiple shows without any hit, real hiccups in the show and stay true to itself and continue improving? Because you guys have – in multiple people going in and out, leaving, leaving the crew, going to different spots and the show just gets better. And then the squad gets better. Yeah. I think it's like everyone just kind of follows Pat's lead in the sense that like, we know there's a goal that he's trying to get to. 
And we're just trying to help him get there. At least that's the way I view it. I'm like, and I've always viewed it as like team mentality and even go back to, I know it was just deck hockey and it was just ball hockey, but like, I've always had that mindset of like, uh, do it for the team and everything else will take care of itself. Like, uh, I've never wanted the attention or like tried to seek limelight or anything like that. Like, and sometimes even doing like hockey talk, it's like, ah, I don't know if I should say this. I don't want to do this, but like, I just watch Pat and how he does it. And I know I'm not going to be that good at the way he is at doing things, but you know, you try and emulate certain things and, and, and just try and build. And the whole thing has been building. And when you have like a goal and a common purpose and everyone kind of buys into that, it's really, it's really not that hard. Like uh, everyone has sacrificed things to, to work there and, and, but in a positive way, right? Like, we used to just go out and just get boozed up all the time and get banged up. And it's like, now we're at the age where it's like, okay, you can do it every once in a while, but I honestly, body can't even handle it that much anymore. So like you stop going out so much on the weekends, you stop being a a drunken stooge. You kind of focus on what you're trying to do. You're trying to make a successful show and everyone just kind of buys into that. And uh, other people have other things that come along in life that, or, you know, that pull them away from that, or they have other things they need to take care of or handle. And, and you go your separate ways and other people come in. And if those other people that come in buy in and want to make it work, it's easy. And so far we've been like very fortunate enough that that's been the case. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's more about like the other people coming in and just seeing like what goes into it, buying in and everybody just tries to push forward. And it's kind of your, the mentality you guys have there is like a hockey locker room because you guys rag on each other and no one's too soft to not handle it. And I, I'm sure if there is something, someone steps over the line with a joke or whatever, that's handled behind closed doors. But it seems like your group is just like a hockey locker room where you could say whatever and then they'll give right back to you. Oh, yeah. You just got to bust balls because otherwise uh, it's just a great way to relieve tension because, like, you do get stressed out sometimes. You're working on the Internet. You got people criticizing you and – Hey, you know, oh, did I did I do this the right way? Did I say this the right way? Did I post this right? Did I did I did I uh, make this video look good this way? And like you, you have all these thoughts go through your head, but like it's just easy to just know you're doing it with your friends. And if you fuck something up, they'll make fun of you for it, and you can make fun of them back. And it's like there's no uh, you know there's no there's no stress in terms of you're gonna do something irreparable or you can't fix or, or everyone's going to hate you for something. It's just, it's, and that comes from Pat, man. It's just good vibes. Uh, you know, I'm always dubbed as a negative one and that's fine. But like when it comes down to it, I always try and keep the same mindset as everyone else. Like, Hey, we're, we're, we're doing something here. It's really cool. Uh, let's just keep it going and try not to fuck that up. Yeah. How you doing? Keep it moving. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, so just quick reminder that we, as always, at The Morning Skate are brought to you by Can I Brand CBD, the most trusted and recognized CBD brand of the sports, fitness, and wellness household. Trusted by professionals and backed by sports scientists, these products blend high-quality CBD with vitamins and nutraceuticals. So remember to head over to Can I Brands and check it out and use promo code TMS25 for 25% off your order. Um, and kind of staying in that same vein again, Nick, with everything going on in that office. When was your first, I can't believe it, like, holy shit moment, like, this is happening? Like, obviously, you said, like, Pat said, like, hey, do you want to move to Indy? Uh, so, like, when was your first, like, real, like, 
that you can remember like holy shit moment and like how often do you still continue to have them uh we get a lot of those to be honest man there there are a few that stand out i sound like a douche saying that but it's real like <laughs> There, there are a few that stand out, and the one that always jumps out to me is the the John Daly thing where we got a chance to go to, to fucking Arkansas, a, a place I never thought I would end up in my life, and spend a weekend and slept at John Daly's house and drank beer with him in the backyard with him, Jake Owen, the Cadillac 3, and played around a golf with him. That, to me, was like, what the hell are we doing? Like, how does this happen just from talking in the microphones and like having a good time. And it's like, we told all the stories about it on the show and, but it was all real. Like we didn't, we didn't exaggerate any of it. We didn't try and punch it up. Like all the stuff that happened and that was just life. And it's like, Pat and I have always found ourselves like mostly through him, just getting into these adventures, even when we were uh, 18, 19 and we would go up to Canada and party and just like go to the casino and drink. And it's just like, uh, it's, it's surreal. Like I said, stuff like this, I don't know how he does it seems to just float and gravitate towards him. And it's all very surreal. And then like throughout the past year, having Aaron Rodgers on every Tuesday was just out of this world being like AJ Hawk, a guy who my friends and I used to play as on Madden when we were in college. And then now getting to talk to him every day and like bus balls with him. And just when he comes out to visit, it's always hilarious. The, Stuff with the WWE was like childhood dreams come true. Standing in like the NXT ring, like never thought I'd get a chance to do any of that stuff. Right? That's all. Like you watch it on TV. Oh, that'd be cool to do one day. Ha! Huh, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Smokes more weed. Blah, blah blah. And then a couple years later, like oh shit! Like I'm in the ring staring down like Bobby Fish and Adam Cole. Like I don't. I got no business being here. What the fuck am I doing? But it's uh. It's it's surreal, and that's like that's another thing too that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like you try not take that stuff for granted, and I think that's what keeps motivating people to keep just you know the positive vibes and keep everything going in the right direction because you're getting the opportunity to do really cool and outlandish things. And Pat always says it best, like what a dumb life, and that's kind of like our running gag in the office that we all say to each other like when something happens because I don't think anyone ever imagined being able to do this stuff. But I think that's why I think you guys resonate with so many people, right? Like you guys are one of the most successful live sports shows on YouTube day in, day out. I think it's because like you, it, like it comes across so genuine, right? Like what a dumb life. Like it's just a bunch of dudes that like everyone can relate to. I mean, some ran, like everyone's seen Boston yeah. Connors. Oh, I'm doing, doing a podcast with these guys, the morning skate. And uh, I was just telling them, telling them about what a dumb life we have. What's up, Pat? What's up, Pat? Could skate though. That's the only issue. I'm not a, I'm not a morning skate, a night skate, or an evening skate. I'm a no fucking skate. I'm in bad spot on the ice, but love the sport of hockey, boys. Great to see. Cannon you. of a slap shot on you though, Pat. I got the huggy legs. Little next door neighbor clap for him. Don't worry about it. I'm going. Um, I'm going. Uh, I'm going uh, bar down every single time I get a chance to really let one loose. That sick mitts. You know what I mean? I mean just. The lettuce, too, used to be something much more desirable than it is currently, but fucking A, boys, huh? Fucking A, Pat. I love that. A capital shirt stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. Love you, buddy. Hey, I love you, too. I love Ovechkin as well. I like PJ Oshie. I like Big Sherrod, too. I mean, it is. Uh, I don't like pasta. The Bruins stink. The Bruins stink. But Bruins do stink. We're all on board that. with the Bruins being garbage. 
All right. Good luck with that, boys. Nick, I just want to tell you, great job today. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. See ya. Love that. And yeah, I mean, that's like, that's what goes into what we were talking about earlier. (laughs) Whatever happens throughout the day, at the end of the day, like, you're all still boys. You're all still working towards the same thing. You're all having a good time. Actually, that's that's kind of a perfect segue with what you were talking about before that super cool moment just happened. Um, <laughs> I wanted to like specifically talk about the WWE NXT thing because that whole process of Adam Cole coming on the show, that like bonus footage after you know the live show had ended, with you know Adam Cole freaking out and that whole Triple H coming on and offering Pat the match. And then it's Pat, AJ, Darius, and you. And you were just absolutely most disgracefully disrespected by the WWE. Cropped out of the shots. No name. Looking fresher than wet paint in there. And, like, how cool is that? Like, again, it's one of the wild experiences that you just accidentally just, like, this is what's happening now. And, and you never expect it. But what was it like just like, standing there watching and just staring that scumbag Adam Cole right in the eyes? It was, it was intense, man. And, uh, like I said, I was... I think I said this in an Instagram post or something. I was like, I was fine with them cropping me out because I knew I had no business being there. And like when we got to do the uh, the actual match, uh, I think Corey Graves had called me something like a world class uh, table tennis enthusiast or something like. He just buried me on the air, and I loved that because it was like, okay, at least he acknowledged my existence this time instead of just acting like I was just fucking nobody and cut cropping me out of pictures. But that was the coolest shit in the world, and. And, uh, like, never thought I'd get a chance to do that. Standing in the ring was absolutely out of this world. Uh, you're staring at these guys who work their whole lives to just beat the shit out of each other and entertain people. And I was like, okay, here I am. Like, again, don't fuck this up. Like, jump up on the ring. Don't look like an asshole. Don't slip because you don't want to be the reason they have to uh, cut something out or, or change something. Or it's like, just, you know, act act as if that's another thing we say a lot like act as if you're supposed to be here like i'm not supposed to be here but i'm gonna at least act as if i'm supposed to be there and pretend and i was like i've watched wrestling my whole life i i, I knew how to pretend to be a hard ass but really cool that pat asked well, me to do that. he's got two nfl players and then you know the dumb italian friend <laughs> like an asshole so i was more I'll be honest though you looked like you looked like that dude that the mafia brings in with the crowbar to take off kneecaps though. Like you looked just as frightening as AJ and Darius and Pat did that night. Well, I appreciate that. I think that was Pat's whole goal was like, Hey, put this guy in a suit, make him look like a big dumb Italian idiot. And then, you know, he'll strike some fear into, into maybe at least one person. So I'm glad it worked. Yeah, and you don't want, that, yeah. and that's what you said. Like you don't want triple triple H mad at you. That's the last person you want mad at you. Man, that was that guy. You talked about looking into like Adam Cole's eyes. That was the guy. uh, Oh my God. When he got got in the ring and he looked at us, it was like, oh, like he turned it on for a second and he turned into like, you turned into like Triple H for a second and he gave you those eyes and it was like, oh shit. Like, uh, oh my God. uh, This is a different, this is a different league right here when he got in the ring. I was like, oh, fuck this. All right. Well, back to your hockey podcast. So obviously, your it's your podcast, hockey. That's hockey talk is continuing to grow. Who would you be your white whale person to interview for that's hockey talk or have on the show? Uh, for me, it'd be Lemieux, but he'd probably be a boring guest because he follows that line of like old hockey, where you know, don't say anything outrageous. Just you know, spit the cliches. Uh, thank everybody else and contribute your success to everybody else and just keep it moving. 
But I, I, I think if you could get him in a one-on-one situation, like I just love to have a one-on-one conversation with a guy, regardless of if people could hear it or not. Cause I just, it'd be cool to pick his brain throughout all the shit he's been in. But um, trying to think of other guys, like I think Joe Sackick again, another uh, childhood hero would be really cool. Um, love to get a chance to talk to like Patrick Kane or somebody who's, who's done it at the highest level. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm scrapping and clawing for guests as it is to be honest. So I'm happy anyone gives us the time of day to talk to us. But we've had, we've had some cool people so far. Uh, uh, Mike Johnson from TSN, for some reason, somehow, some way, answered my DM one day and came on. And he's always a blast to talk to. He, Aaron Ward, uh, former three-time cup champ, he comes on and talks every once in a while. He's a good dude. So uh, it, it's been fun. And I, I look forward to hopefully talking to some more people. But, you know, like I said, it's it's something we do for fun. So I don't, I don't stress over it too much. And, I just try and uh, try and find people that are willing to talk and willing to talk that are entertaining. That's it's, it's such a cool experience, man. Like just like even getting to hear, you know, what's going on on the other end of the mic, right? Like, cause obviously like Disco and I are fans, but just like, it's super awesome to be able to hear what's going on on the, you know, the other side of the camera and what's, you know, behind, behind the scenes really. And, and, it does. It, it honestly seems exactly how you've described it, right? Just like loose and just the boys hanging out and just putting together something beautiful that just happens to work all the time. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to sum it up. Like, you know, we, we try and be professional and be a real show, but sometimes you just you just can't help it. But other than just roll with what you got and what, what you're given, like we got a lot of nice equipment and that spent a lot of money to make everything like look good and feel good and sound good. But when it comes down to it, it's really just us, you know, 12, 13 guys in the office, like, you know, just trying to trying to make it work. And that's awesome, man. And that's pretty much um, why we do it. We, we, we got our own jobs. We just like I, I got home as fast as I could. I'm a teacher, so I had to make sure I got home the time for this. So we we're just doing this for fun, just because we love the game of hockey. So it's, yeah, it's, this whole thing started for me. I literally bounced the DM over to the morning skate because they didn't have a Blackhawks writer, and I'm a, a ride or die Blackhawks fan. And I got a message back saying like, "Yeah, you're in." Like that was it. There you go, man. Sometimes you just gotta shoot your shot, and like right place, you know, right time. there's there's no other way to uh, know if you'll ever be successful or not. And and I struggle with this too sometimes, but like, you just got to try it. Right. Cause like, if you think you're good at it and you think you, you'll at least entertain a handful of people, or if it's just fun to do, like people ask us all the time, Oh, how do you get started? How do you get like, just do it. Just put up a camera or put up a microphone and just talk and, and put it out there. And you'll, you'll see if it's for you or not. Like if you want to get better at it, you'll get better at it. And if, if not, then you can find something else, but exactly. It, it, oh. It's that hard. Yeah. Well, speaking of shooting your shot, Alex and I are both uh, weekly contributors to uh, Friday Bangers, and none of us have ever cracked the roster. So we're going to have to talk hey, to you after that. It's tough, man. I don't. I don't let anything through. So you got to bring it. Heat we'll only. To, heat only, Nick. Heaters only, man. You got to knock Boston Connor out of that chair if you're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be good. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, keep sending them. Although I, I've heard some weird copyright podcast music things happening, so I don't know what's going on there. But for as long as we're able to, we're going to keep playing music on the show because people seem to enjoy it, and it's a good time to just let loose. and, and it's the best part of my Friday afternoon coming home from work. Taking it into the weekend. <laughs> well, and you also have you also have Meraldo's Mad Libs to fall back on if, if the copyrighted music ever does become an issue. Yeah, and that's one thing where, like, when we first did it, I was like, 
man, what are we doing? Like, this is so dumb. But we did it, and people really enjoyed it. And I was like, all right, if this is what people want, let's keep doing it. And they are they are like the most precious gift that just keeps on giving because you never expect them. And because you guys always say like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a, a Mad Lib next time. And then three and a half weeks later, we finally get one. And they're just – they're perfect every time because it's always just Zito shouting dicks out of the background. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're so much fun. Uh, it's well, as much fun as they sound like to you. It's even more fun to just sit in the room <laughs> and spitball them because, like I said, every time we do them, like this is so dumb. Like I don't know, I, I don't know how anyone's gonna laugh at this, and then we end up belly laughing the whole time we're doing them. So, yeah. all right, well, Nick, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I would really appreciate if you could tell our listeners where we can find all of your content, uh, everything that you guys are a part of. Uh, yeah, man, it's easy. Uh, go. Just type in the old Google machine and you can just YouTube uh, the Pat McAfee show or that's hockey talk or hammer down or Mr. Mansuri, Mark Madden doing the best wrestling show, period. Uh, and uh, obviously we're all on Twitter at Pat McAfee show. Obviously it's Pat's account. And, and if you dig in there long enough and you'll be able to find each and every one of us doing our things and at the pod PMI on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, obviously the pods got their own YouTube channel now. Go ahead and subscribe to that. Uh, a lot of stuff to promote, but it's all good. You won't be disappointed, I, I promise. And I don't promise things often because I don't like to disappoint or underdeliver. But I think these are these are these are good things at a time where people need some escape and just something to uh, just laugh at the bullshit. Good shortcut. If you watch Pat's live show from twelve to three Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, there are links beneath for every single one of the shows that Nick just mentioned, and I am a fan of every single one. Good Nick, again, I cannot thank you enough for joining us. Thanks for coming on. This man. has been Appreciate awesome, it. man. Amazing. Hey, boys. Shout out, shout out to Pat. Shout out to Pat for making yeah. a special appearance. Thanks for listening. Thanks for inviting me. I, I, I appreciate that. You guys are awesome. Uh, college educated, she graduated Any bill she can't front, her parents paid it The show was far, you the only one with a car out your girlfriends But being that she's a big fan, of course she made it Most girls wanna hide the fact that the thrill they chasing But you just wanna get drunk tonight and fuck someone famous So I just name a time and a place in your game for it Value player, hotel room, meet you there.